Our Old Testament reading today is from Isaiah chapters 48, verses 3 through 5 and 9 through 11. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass, because I know that you are obstinate and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. I I declared them to you of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, lest you should say, my idol did them, my carved image and my mental image commanded them. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from Hebrew chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of Spirit and live? For they dis- disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel is from Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In our current sermon series, The Word That Connects, we're focusing on how the Bible is a record of God's connection to and with people. And last week we recalled how even though sin disrupted, how sin broke our relationship with God, yet God determined to restore that relationship. And that's what the death and the resurrection of Jesus is all about We were reminded of God's amazing love in which you and I are wholly chosen and treasured by God. Great stuff. One of the great premises of the Bible. But even then, there were hints of what lay ahead in the lives of God's people. That sin has these relentless tentacles. And today we are reminded of the next premise of God's word, another overarching truth of the scriptures, and it's this, people are sinful and will rebel against God every chance they get. 
You know it as well as I. We all experience, we're told, do this, and what follows? Defiance. I mean, sometimes, let's, even as adults, we can be as bad as a two-year-old who's just learned the word no. We're told, don't do this. And what follows? Disobedience. We want to do whatever this might be. True story, Sue and I once needed to purchase a printer cable and before entering the electronics store, Sue and I sat down in the car, had a lengthy conversation with our four-year-old son, Jonathan, and we said, John, we're going into the store. You are not to touch anything. What does that mean, John? I'm not supposed to touch anything. Okay, you ready? We're going to go in the store now. Well, we go in, and as we're heading down the cable aisle, Jonathan noticed that there's televisions just around the corner. He says, Dad, can I, can I go watch the TVs? I said, what did I say? Not to touch. Okay, you can go watch. Well, as I'm picking through the printer cables, all of a sudden, I hear the volume on multiple TVs ratcheting up to the point where the store, you know, helpers are coming running. And I come around the corner, and here's John, all right? I'm John, all right? He's, he's back, his back is to me. There, he's standing in the middle of the road, TVs lined on each side, and he's grabbed the remote that is on a tether over here and one on a tether over here, and he's operating both TVs going on. And I said, John, what did we say to you? Just watching, Dad, not touching, just watching. Isn't that the way it is for us? Well, the reality is, and this is what we're focusing on today, we need training, we need forming, because defiance and disobedience abound. I mean, already in the book of Genesis, we see this in Adam and Eve, which resulted in the fall. And then after the fall, we see it result in, in numerous others. I mean, Cain killing his own brother, Abel. The sins of the people at the time of Noah. The building of the Tower of Babel. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah. The book of Genesis even recounts the defiant and the disobedient behaviors of numerous heroes of the faith. And then we get into the book of Exodus and we see how even after God, I mean it was only three months previous, that God had rescued his people from slavery and already they're looking to turn away from him. I mean Moses was on, up on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments and the people got bored. So Aaron decides to make a golden calf which the people readily worshipped. I mean, understand from where they were standing, they could see the thunder and the lightning at the top of Mount Sinai, and they knew it was representative of God's presence there. And still, they could not resist rebelling. And the rebellion didn't stop there. It continued through the people's 40-year time out in the wilderness. It continued even into the promised land. I mean, the people repeatedly mixed their worship with the one true God with the false notions of the people who also lived in the land around them. I mean, it sounds all too familiar with what many people do today, allowing their beliefs to be shaped more by 
fickle opinion than, than by God's clear revelation. Look what uh, 2 Kings 17.9 says. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord their God the things that were not right. They persisted in being a defiant and a disobedient people. Well, I think you get the point. I think we all get the point. Rebellion is well-defined and is easily identifiable. I mean, even without having to be shown, we all sense it and we recognize it even within ourselves. So confronted by repeated rebellion from his people, what does God do? How does God respond? Well, simply stated, God does not change his way. God worked in the lives of those rebellious fathers and mothers of Genesis, which then formed them to be heroes of faith. On Mount Sinai, God gave his people instructions on how they were to behave as his people. The most important things for them to know, and more than just the Ten Commandments. And yes, there came a point where God even allowed his people to be overcome, defeated, and exiled. Now at first hearing that, we may ask, why did God allow that? I mean, why does God allow hardship to befall his people? This does not sound like something that a a good and loving God would allow. Well, to help us appreciate God's intent, I want you to consider precious metals like gold and silver. In their raw form, they contain impurities. Things like quartz and and dirt and and other minerals. And in order to attain the highest quality possible, these unwanted contaminants must be removed through a process called refining. And the oldest method of refining involves subjecting the metal to intense heat around 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, as hot as lava. And at this temperature, the precious metal mounts and the impurities become separated and are then able to be removed, thus owing to a higher quality in the precious metal. Well, likewise... God allowed his people to be overcome, to be defeated, to even be exiled so that they would see the error of their ways and stop their rebellion. And then through prophets like Isaiah, God called his people back into relationship with him. As Isaiah himself said, see, I have refined you, not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Think of what thoughtful parents do in the raising of their children. I mean, there's a proverb in Scripture that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and then even when he is old, he will not depart of it. What was true then is also true today. If we do not teach our children to follow the ways of Almighty God, the world will teach them not to. But the process of refinement involves more than just words like do this and and don't do that. It also involves reinforcement, rewards and blessings. 
timeouts and punishments. God also does that. Yes, even punishments. The writer of Hebrews, as we heard read earlier, reminds us God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so we see God does not change his way. God does not want to lose any one of us. And so he is busy. He is in the process of forming and shaping his people. He sends messengers to call his people to repentance and and back into relationship with him. God engages in the lives of his people because he loves us. He seeks to turn us away from that which is harmful and direct us to that which is beneficial. And here's where we need to understand several important things about God. First, we need to remember that God is holy and just. Thinking back to the precious metals, the the highest quality gold ever attained is 99.999996 which means even the purest gold possible still contains some impurity. But if God were gold, he would be 100% pure. No impurities whatsoever. Which means for us to be in relationship with Almighty God, all our impurities must be removed. And that's where God's justice and God's judgment comes into play. There must be holiness and justice for people to dwell with him. Now it would be quite easy at this point in time for us to speed on ahead to, to, the, to, the, to what Jesus does for us. You know? I mean, and I assure you we will get there. But let's not jump to Jesus too soon and gloss over how God expects us to live as his people. So I want you to hold, hold on to Jesus for a little bit longer. I'm sure you're all aware that there are numerous things that we commonly use that initially were designed and intended for other purposes. For instance, Plato. Do you know what it was originally designed to do? Clean wallpaper. That's what it was designed for. How many of you cleaning wallpaper with Plato? Right? And also... Uh, How about post-it notes? Post-it notes was the failed result of trying to create a powerful glue. And then WD-40 was conceived as a rust inhibitor for rockets, taking 40 tests to perfect this water displacement Solvent. You hear WD in there? WD-40. Well, we might say that some of those things are better than intended, but not all things are. My friends, God made us to be in relationship with him. That is what we were made for. Sinful, defiant, disobedient, rebellious people. That is not what we were made to be. And that is why God continues to form and to shape his people. 
He treasures our relationship with him. And while, yes, God has every right to be angry and to just do away with his people, yet he chooses not to. Instead, speaking through prophets like Isaiah, God says, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Like a master craftsman, God continues to mold his people, to form his people, to shape his people, to refine his people. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God says, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Well, here is where we can bring Jesus back into the picture. The Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son to redeem those who were born under the law. Through faith in Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection, you and I are now redeemed and restored people of God. And as Jesus gave his life for us, we now through the power of the Holy Spirit gladly and willingly seek to live our lives for him, not because we have to, but because we want to. My dear friends, secret sins, rebellion, defiance, disobedience, God made you and me for more than this. The Apostle Paul declares, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Indeed, through faith in Jesus Christ, my friends, let us live as the people of God, for that is what you and I were made to be. Amen? And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it keep our hearts and our minds through our faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.